Hey friends, you're listening to Living For It, a passion podcast about daily life, tips and tricks, and life as a photographer. I'm your host, Sarah Johnson, a wedding photographer with a bachelor's degree, an obsession with my Birkenstocks, and a passion for creating something bigger than myself. Welcome to episode 11 of Living For It. And if you missed last week's episode, head on back and listen to episode 10 because I chatted with one of my makeup artist friends, Callie Hauser of Stay Beautiful, and we had an absolute blast. She is so much fun to hang out with, so much fun to chat with. She's such a talent in the wedding vendor industry for makeup artistry. She's fantastic. So if you missed that episode, head on back and listen to our hilarious conversation. And she offered up some amazing makeup tips and definitely some stuff that I need to start doing. So head on back to episode 10 and check it out. So this week's episode is kind of a hodgepodge. It's a hodgepodge about my favorite pair of shoes my favorite style of home decor, and it's all about finding yourself. Three things that I think are extremely important in my business and in my brand. So first of all, my favorite shoes are Birkenstocks. 150% hands down, Birks are the way to go. I literally live my entire life in them, and I've even shot weddings in the winter with snow on the ground with my Burks on. True story. You can ask Caroline and Eric, whose wedding was actually in the last week of April, so I'm pretty sure it was spring, right? Yeah, it snowed. So I was wearing my Burks to a snowstorm spring wedding, and it worked out great. I'm not gonna lie. But every year I buy a brand new pair of Birkenstocks because if I don't, they are completely trashed from the wedding season before. So I always buy a brand new pair and little plug to the store that I always go to. If you're in the Northern Illinois, Chicago suburbs area, there is a hippie store in Crystal Lake and it's called Trade Winds. And I always go there every single spring and buy a brand new pair of Birkenstocks. So they've got Birks, they have like awesome old school jewelry. Um, It's not costume jewelry either. It's like real gold stuff. They do have some costume jewelry, but a lot of it is um, like older fine jewelry. So I have some really awesome gold earrings that look totally 70s. Um, they're kind of like a gold leaf pattern, so they're really fun. I got those there, and they also sell like skateboarding equipment and um, those like Rastafarian hoodies that are like super beachy and like Florida and Caribbean and stuff like that. So they sell kind of like a hodgepodge of everything hippie and it's really cool. So if you want a good pair of Birkenstocks and you want the authentic real deal, go to Tradewinds in Crystal Lake because that's where I go and they have a huge variety of Birkenstocks. Now I always get asked which ones are my favorite. 
There are so many Birkenstock styles and you can always go with the original. They're super comfortable, but for me, I like to make sure that since I'm going to be photographing, I'm actually working in them. So these are like my work shoe. So for me, my favorite Birkenstocks are the Mayari style and they're the ones that have the little loop that goes around your big toe and they have kind of a crisscross and then a second strap that goes kind of like across where your ankle um, and your foot kind of bend. So I feel very secure and held in when I'm wearing those shoes. They never slide off my feet. They have amazing support and I have flat feet and I've been a figure skater my entire life. So having flat feet was extremely hard for me when I first started figure skating. So I actually started figure skating at the age of 10 because I roller skated first and my coaches had told me that there was nothing else to do in the sport of roller skating. There wasn't anywhere to go. And if I actually wanted to like compete and do shows and have like real hardcore experience with skating, I needed to switch to ice skating. So I switched to ice at the age of 10 and technically that's kind of old in the sport of figure skating. Like if you start ice skating when you're like three or four, you're golden. You are the perfect age. I mean, these kids start so young. I swear if I ever have a daughter, I've always said I'm not going to be one of those parents that forces them to do something they don't want to do. But you better believe I am going to give that kid a head start in figure skating just in case that's something that she wants to do. So... I started skating at 10. I was a little bit older and I noticed that I had like a really hard time with my feet ever since I was a little kid. Like kids don't care about their feet. You know, I mean, come on. That's like, you just want the cutest shoes you can find and that's it. Well, for me, since I had flat feet, I had to wear insoles in my figure skates and I skate barefoot. So I have a lot of control that way because I skate barefoot. I feel that I can control my entire boot. My foot doesn't slide around, whatever. Going on a tangent here about figure skating, bear with me. But since I had flat feet, whenever I did wear an arch support, it really hurt my foot. So when I broke in my Birkenstocks for the very first time, oh my gosh, they hurt so bad. <laughs> And the reason why is because they have such a strong arch support in them. They are made for like all day support 24-7, 365. These things wear like iron. No joke. So they also have this amazing heel cup to the back of the shoe. So your heel stays locked and planted and it doesn't feel like your heel ever moves. So for me... I tried Keens, I tried tennis shoes, like just regular tennis shoes, I tried hiking boots, I mean like that sounds so not cute, but since I have flat feet, I can't wear flats, like I can't wear ballet flats, because my feet will die at the end of the day. Plus, since my feet aren't that cute from being a figure skater my whole life, um, Ballet flats don't look cute on my feet at all. Like super awkward. Hats off to all you girls who can wear flats because secretly part of me wishes that I could because I just look awful in them. So stay with what you know, stay with what you love, and don't try to be anything you're not because I can't wear flats, so I do not have any flats. <laughs> so when I found my Birkenstocks, which to me 
were the most perfect shoe to shoot weddings in, to shoot high school seniors, engagements, anything. I became obsessed and I literally started wearing them every single day of my life. Every single year when I go buy a new one for my wedding season, um, I always get a black pair because black goes with everything. Now, I actually have like six other pair of Burks that are different colors. I have like a white iridescent pair, a bronze pair, all these different colors, right? And I don't even wear any of them. I'm so ashamed to say this because I only ever wear my black ones because I guess I'm just so used to them. And so my poor sad Burks that have never been worn but four or five times each are sitting in my little shoe closet and they're just collecting dust. So... This is why I need to encourage myself to wear those. I'm giving all the love to just my black ones. But anyhow, at the end of a wedding season, these shoes are completely black on the sole. Like the bottom of them where your footbed goes, like where your foot sits in the shoe, it's like this canvasy like rawhide color because it's actual like real leather so it's like this suede footbed right and so that is kind of like a tan color well mine are black <laughs> and they're black because I wear them all the time and I encounter so many crazy things when I'm shooting um the weekend wedding that I had last weekend was at the new pavilion in Rockford. So it's a new wedding venue and it's been open for like about a year now. It's called the Rockford Bank and Trust Pavilion at Aldine. So it's at Aldine Golf Course. And it's this gorgeous pavilion. It's all white inside. I swear it literally looks like a Charleston, South Carolina venue. It is stunning and I'm madly in love with it. So I was shooting at that wedding and we had had a ton of rain like the few days prior to this wedding. I mean so much so that it was like flood status. So thank God it was rainy the day before the wedding, rainy the day after the wedding, but the day of the wedding it was bright sun. Perfection. I mean it was like perfect weather especially for the middle of September. You never know what you're going to get. Perfect outdoor wedding weather. I was in heaven. So I'm wearing my Burks. I'm walking around at the ceremony site and it's like a little bit squishy still because it was super wet outside from all the rain that we had had. And <laughs> like four hours later, I look down at my feet and I'm like, oh my gosh, my feet literally look like I've been walking around in a pig pen like all day. Like they're so muddy and gross. I had to like wipe my poor little toes off. But that's the type of things that I put my Birkenstocks through. I mean, mud, snow, sand, it doesn't matter. Like I can walk through a river, you know, obviously a shallow one, but <laughs> I'll go traipsing through anything with these things. They are my ride or die shoes and they've become a very strong member of my brand so much so that I've had seniors show up to their shoot and be like hey I'm wearing my Mayaris and I'm just like oh my gosh I love this so much so Birkenstocks are life that's the end of my story okay so moving on I could talk about Birks all day 
But I have a very strong obsession with mid-century modern design. And if you don't know what that is, then let me take you on a little journey. So way back in the 1950s, there was this super cool movement where everything was kind of like atomic. And by atomic, I mean like space age. It was called like the atomic era of design. There was this amazing movement going on in Europe that was like the international style, the Bauhaus, if you've heard of that. Everything was like ultra modern, futuristic. It was the design of the future. So it was like the super cool, hip and trendy. I'm sure you've seen some amazing things where kitchen cabinets were made of metal instead of wood. There were these super low profile couches that the backs on them came up to like midway up your back. Like they weren't super tall, like all the way up past your neck and head like they are today. They were super streamlined. Design was the number one thing. So if you watch like that 70s show, think back 20 years earlier than that. The 70s style was kind of like the tail end of mid-century modern. Um, It was kind of a different movement, but it still had some of that cool style. So for me, I love Frank Lloyd Wright, and he was an architect that did incredible things. His most famous house was Falling Water, and I'm dying to go there. I've always wanted to go. One day it's on my bucket list. Fingers crossed I will get there. But since I live in the northern Illinois area, There are tons of homes nearby and one in my hometown of Rockford. So there's one house here that has been turned into a museum. There are a ton of homes in the Chicago suburbs because Frank Lloyd Wright lived in Oak Park. So in Oak Park, which is one of the closest suburbs to Chicago, it's directly outside of the city, there is a Frank Lloyd Wright house like walking tour that they have every May. And I need to check into it again because I've only done it once and I'm dying to do it again. But there are like 30 or 40 houses on this walking tour and they're different every year because people actually live in these houses and they keep them, period. It's like a timepiece. It's like a time capsule to the 50s. It's 100% original. I mean, the only thing that's different is like their hand towels and like their bedspreads and whatnot. But everything is original to the house. All of the furniture, every single thing that you see. So, and they just don't make architecture like this anymore. So to me, I'm like obsessed with it. And I really want to go on that walking tour again. So if you guys love architecture and if you love interior design, And you know I do, since I talked about that with Christmas trees. But if you love interior design, you need to do this walking tour at least once in your life. It's amazing. So anyhow, tangent. But so since I love the mid-century modern furniture so much, my entire house is thrifted. Like down to every last detail. The only things that are new in my house are the items that I have from Home Goods because I'm slightly obsessed with that store and I'm not ashamed to admit it. And like my mattress, my bed. But my bed frame is vintage mid-century modern. So <laughs> that's why I'm saying like 
almost, I would say 95 to 98% of my house is thrifted. And when I first got my house in 2014, we did some renovations to it. And so I didn't move in right away. While we were renovating, I still lived at my parents' house and I moved in in December of 2015. So I had a year and a half to literally collect as many items as I possibly could. And I went a little bit crazy. I, with my mom, went to every thrift store in town multiple times a week because I knew when their shipments came. I literally knew when every single new truckload of items came from the distribution center and I would eagerly await and obsess over what they had. And because of that, since I had so long, literally a year and a half, I was able to collect every piece that I actually wanted. And no shame in thrifting because let me tell you what people, you can find some amazing things. Amazing. Not to knock furniture that's made today, but it's just not the same quality. You cannot find as perfect of thick wood with amazing stain on it. Like everything is press board now and it's just, it doesn't stand up I mean, this furniture was from the 1950s. That's over 50 years old. That's ridiculous. And it still looks brand new. And it's honestly coming back into trend and has been for the last few years. And I'm just obsessed. So I thrifted my entire house. I went to estate sales in my subdivision and I collected the pieces that I truly wanted. So if you know anything about mid-century modern design, I have an Adrian Pearsall couch that is an original Adrian Pearsall. I have a vintage reproduction Mies van der Rohe Barcelona chair. So that one is not original. It is a reproduction piece, but it's still old. It was still made in the 70s, so it's still considered vintage. Um, And I'm hanging on to that like nobody's business (laughs) because I love that chair so much. If any of you have seen Mad Men... There is definitely a Barcelona chair on that show somewhere. Or if you've been to the Langham Hotel in Chicago, the whole foyer and waiting area in their lobby has Barcelona chairs in it. They're iconic. So if you Google that or Bing it or whatever you do to search for images, if you look up a Barcelona chair, you will be like, oh, duh, I totally know what that is. I love it. So I have that. And I have tons of hutches and credenzas, and I use them as, like, TV stands. We have one in the basement and one upstairs, and they're absolutely perfect to put a TV on, and I just adore it. There's tons of storage because it's technically a dresser or a buffet, so you have tons of space to store movies, DVDs, whatever. I mean, I know there's Netflix and people don't even watch movies anymore, but I do, just saying. So we have the drawers totally full with stuff like that. But one of my prized possessions, aside from my Adrian Pearsall couch, is my Broyhill Brasilia table. Broyhill Brasilia, Broyhill is the brand that still makes furniture today, but Brasilia was one of their lines that they had. And that line was like super sought after. And today, 
it goes for top dollar. And I found it at a thrift store. I'm never selling it. I love it so much. So it just goes to show you that people throw out these gems that are just incredible pieces of furniture that have stood the test of time with how elegant and timeless they are. And you can pick them up for super cheap. No joke. I definitely, without a doubt, decorated my entire house for less than $10,000. Let that soak in for a second. So you can still be balling on a budget if you go thrift store shopping and find some amazing pieces. So if you guys go thrifting, totally share a picture on your Insta story and tag me because I want to see what you guys find. Literally, thrifting is the best thing ever. I'm obsessed and I go once a week. I don't have a problem. I'm just saying. (laughs) And I know that some of you are probably thinking I'm a hoarder and mentally I'm a hoarder, but I like to call myself a collector because everything has its place and everything has a purpose. So, plus I have to get these pieces before someone throws them in the trash because they're meant to be saved. Just saying, I'm obsessed. Anyways, show me your thrift store finds because I love seeing all those goodies. Okay, so last but not least, before I get into the last topic of finding yourself, I want to share the review of the week. This shout out goes out to Bonita, who says, I always love getting the alert saying I have a new podcast episode of Living For It. Being in the wedding industry myself, it's awesome to hear different perspectives about the wedding world. Sarah is super passionate about what she does, and I love hearing all of her advice, interviews, and observations about the wedding industry. Such an awesome podcast. Thank you, Sarah. Keep it up. And you guys know Bonita because she was on in the earlier episodes of the podcast, episode four. So if you want to hear about Bonita and her amazing business, she is super talented. Go back to episode four and give it a listen. Thanks again for your amazing words, Bonita. I appreciate you. You are so sweet and you're such a dear friend to me. So thank you so much for leaving me a review. The topic of finding yourself is such an interesting hot button topic these days with people like Instagram influencers and people in the makeup and fashion industries who have so much pull on our society, aka not to name names, but people like the Jenners, the Kardashians, and everyone else in Hollywood. Young girls look up to them so much. The standards are super high, and sometimes we lose sight of who we really are and what we want to become because we're so busy trying to figure out what society wants us to become. I will be the first to admit that I struggled with finding myself just as much as everyone else did, maybe even a little bit more. Back when I was in high school, I wasn't one of the cool kids. I didn't really fit in. I had a group of friends. But I kind of got made fun of for being nice, and I even was called fake. It's so sad that people are called fake for just being nice to others. And I was an art kid. I was a figure skater. I didn't do any school sports. And I was into photography and a bunch of nerdy stuff. So with that being said, I really struggle with finding myself when I first started my business. 
Even today, sometimes I struggle with imposterism. I'm going to have an entire episode on imposterism because I feel like it's an epidemic that every single one of us feels at least once in our life and it needs to be talked about. You know those feelings where you feel like you're a fraud? Where you think, do I really deserve to call myself whatever your profession is? For me, I think sometimes, who am I to say that I'm a wedding photographer? Who am I to think that I'm cool enough or have that much value to document someone's best day of their entire life? I mean, no pressure. I'm the one in charge of preserving their memories for the rest of their lives. When you look back on your wedding, what do you have to look at? Your photos. Yes, we have our memories, but memories fade with time. Some details can be forgotten. The cake might not look the same in your mind, and the flowers might be a different color in your brain when you remember things. But a photo doesn't lie. That is real, true documentation. And if I don't document a wedding to its fullest potential, or if I don't make it look as beautiful as it did in real life, then I've failed my client. And that is a very large pill to swallow. Some days I question myself. I'm not going to lie. Just like everyone else, we've got these moments in our head, those little doubts creep into the back of our brain and we think, Am I really doing the right thing? Am I destined to be at the job that I'm currently at? The job that I say is my passion? The job that I truly believe I should be doing? Is that really me? Am I a fraud? I mean, there are so many other people out there who are better at this job than I am, who are more talented, who take the world's best photographs, but even they feel this from time to time. It's human nature. And I need to remind myself of that. And I hope this helps you if you're feeling this way. And I hope it reminds you that it's so natural to feel this way and you're not alone. But you do need to remember that you are worth it. And you do need to remember that whatever you're doing, you're doing for a reason. There's a reason why you wanted to be a veterinarian. There's a reason why you wanted to be a school teacher. There's a reason why I wanted to be a photographer. And that makes me the biggest truth ever. I am not a fraud. I am not an imposter. And I belong to be doing what my heart is wanting to do. I am a wedding photographer. And I believe that I deserve to hold that title. So I want to encourage you to believe that you deserve to be who you think you are. You deserve to be who you want to be. And you deserve to feel like a truth, not a fraud. So if you're worried that someone's going to judge you based on what you share on social media, remember, someone is always judging you no matter what you say, think, feel, or do. So don't let that get to you. Take it with a grain of salt and don't let the words break your spirit. Remember that you are not a fraud. You can say whatever you want to say. Do whatever you want to do and believe whatever you feel your heart desires. Reach for the stars, follow your dreams, and always remember 
to find whatever you love to do in your life. Chase it, and once you catch it, never stop. Because there's nothing more rewarding than living your dream every single day of your life. It took me years to find myself. I don't think I truly found myself until my senior year of college when we put together our senior body of artwork for our show in Chicago. I found myself when I stopped trying to be someone else. I found myself when I preached what I believed, what I truly felt in my heart, and when I gave all of my passion for what I do as a career to my clients, that's when I found myself. I found myself when I wasn't afraid to be me. So don't try to force yourself and don't try to do what's cool or don't try to do what you think someone else is going to approve of. I love my Birkenstocks. I love mid-century modern furniture. I love old antiques that smell like your grandparents' house, and I have absolutely zero shame in saying that I would rather have something thrifted and old school than brand new and cool. So whatever it is that makes you tick, find it, chase it, and never stop giving up on what you believe in. I hope this episode convinces you to try on a pair of Birkenstocks because they are life-changing. I hope it convinces you to buy whatever the heck you want to and not care what anyone thinks about it. And I hope this episode encourages you to be yourself, find your dream, and live it every single day. And until next week, keep living for it. Did you love our little hangout sesh? I know I did. So if you're living for it just as much as I am, don't forget to subscribe to the podcast and download every new episode that comes out. As always, thanks for listening. And remember, make sure whatever you do in life, you're living for it.